does God sanctify us? This verse, John 17, 17, is a memory verse in the doctrinal packet that Brother Barrows memorized. It is one of the major verses of Scripture, New Testament. Sanctify them through that truth, that word is truth. Um, when a person gets saved, God begins to sanctify us. The definition of sanctify means to make holy, purify, consecrate. And really what happens is God begins to change us into his image. We start out 99, 9% world, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and maybe it's 0.1 or 0.2%. And uh, sanctification is not a Shazam thing. Now, being justified is a Shazam thing, okay? Justification is God, boom, you're justified. You're declared not guilty. You're declared righteous in the eyes of God Almighty. But it's not because of you. It's because of your simple faith in what Christ did for you. And now he's justified you. That's what happened to Norman this afternoon when he, when he confessed Christ. And this, this morning, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. Uh, Matthew 10, 32, just, just further... Uh, and, and encourages, and what's happening now is a sanctification process begins. The setting you apart unto God, or making you in his image, holiness as it's called, or sanctification is a, really a two-part transformation. We're sanctified from sin and wickedness. That's the negative part of it. The positive part of it is we are sanctified to God and his righteousness. But you can't have one without the other. The process is a one process thing with two directions. If you stay in sin, you cannot be sanctified. If you become like God, you will not stay in sin. Are you with me on it? If you stay in sin, you cannot be like God. If you become like God, you will not stay in sin. So the sanctification process uh, has a separation process built in it. Separating yourself from the world should not be really all of that big a deal. It should come as natural as breathing. You don't think about breathing. You breathe because you want to live. Well, the more when obviously when you're first saved, you know you're a baby and you're in the world. You know you're in the world, but now maybe now no longer of the world. But you still have all kinds of long habits to overcome, and habits are hard to overcome, and that's the sanctification process, which is a growth process. And so there is ground between the two extremes of being totally sanctified and being born again. And that ground between those two is our Christian life. The Bible means, and this is what the Bible means by growing in grace, uh, 2 Peter 3.18, it's another one of those cars, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We grow. I've watched things grow. Kind of boring, to be honest with you. You sit there, nothing happens. But things do, are growing. If you look at the oak trees, I planted about, I've lost track, really, 50, 60. I just bought another 20 cypress trees uh, to plant. I love cypress trees. I bought 20 cypress trees to plant. Ten of them are planted. Ten need to be planted. And uh, 
you can't watch them grow. You got to leave, you come back, and all of a sudden 20 years passes. And these trees which were like this, now are like this. And they're majestic, they're beautiful. I like to just come up to the trees. You could call me a tree hugger. <laughs> and I just like to touch them. They're just magnificent. The bark on them and stuff is just all, you know, the oak tree as opposed to the cypress tree as opposed to the pine tree. And it's just, you think God does that for free. What a deal. He does it for free. He grows that stuff for you. What do you think he's got all that stuff for? What do you think all this stuff is for? He did it for you. Why do you think he made the bird red? Or what they call a red bird? Why do you think he gave the mockingbird his song? Why do you think he gave the dove his cooing in the morning, early morning hours? He did that for you. Why did he make the sun when it set to go red and purple and all these different colors? And I've seen the green spot twice. The flash. It's just, a, it's just a prism thing. And why did he do that for you? He did that for you. The morning sun rise, you know, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning, red sky at night, sailors delight. As an old uh, ocean guy, you better know about that. Growth is gradual in its very nature. It, I, there are such things as spurts of growth. Uh, one time I had an experiment on one of my oak trees and wasn't growing like I I said, I wonder if you gave an oak tree like 30% nitrogen. Most nitrogen is like 10, 10, 10, 15, the, you know, the first number is nitrogen. The middle number is, uh, I guess I don't know what all is. The middle number has something to do with blooming and everything. And the, th and the third number, I'm not quite sure even what that does. I used to know that. I forgot that. But anyway, the first number. You can burn your plant and kill it with that first number for sure. So most of them keep it low, 15, maybe 10, maybe 6, 6, 6. I don't buy 6, 6, 6. I don't care what it is. I'm just, against, I'm just against that number. I, I, but you buy, one time I thought 30. So when I put the fertilizer of that baby, and it, was, and it was quick release, and it was, key, it was chelated. Chelated means sometimes the pH balance will block a plant from receiving. You can't you get this free. Sometimes the pH of a soil will block a plant from receiving the fertilizer. If the soil's too alkaline, it won't receive the fertilizer. If it's too acid, it won't receive the fertilizer. There's a certain pH balance that plant must have to receive. The, and chelated means it's made to where the plant can receive it. In other words, it's made of the right whatever they chemically do to it. And so I buy chelated iron and chelated fertilizer, and boy, I put it on there. And, I put, and that baby grew. You could almost, almost watch it grow. And then it fell over. That thing grew like a spindly little, you know, drink of water, and pfft, over it went. I thought, well, that didn't work out. You can't rush growth. Oh. You've seen it, Bible college. Bible college. That's when you got too much chelated nitrogen. And the kid will get a lot of Bible, and he'll get all kinds of Bible in him, and he'll, he'll memorize a whole stack of Scripture, and he'll have a good memory, and he'll... he'll and <clears throat> But he has no foundation. And foundation comes with time. 
and he'll fall over. And it was said to me at Bob Jones University, through a long study of their history, that most of the students that succeeded the most were their C students. Many of their real super-duper students, A plus and super-duper, fell. They grew too fast, they fell over. Some of those C students that got to memorize, they, they don't go to bed at midnight, Doc. We go to bed at 4 or 5 in the morning. Because if we go to bed at midnight, we flunk. So we stay up, and we go over that stuff, and 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 run in there real quick and take it, because if we wait too long, we forget it. How many did that relate to? How about half of you? That's because that's at your average, C student. I know I remember President Bush, one of the Bushes, the, the, the son of the first Bush, he was speaking at Harvard, some, some big conflagration, you know, graduation. He says, you know what happens when you're a C student? You become president of the United States. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. You know what happens when you're a reality star? Become president of the United States. Ah, that's crazy. But growing grace, growth, growth. Growth may be slow, maybe too slow for you, but... But it can, be, it can be fluctuated. It can be increased. I think if you want to grow in grace and you concentrate your mind on growing grace, you can accelerate your maturity. You can. Christians can resist this process, however, by the, to their own chagrin. Hebrews 12, 6 or 8 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Listen to this. And scourgeth. Every son whom he receiveth. How many sons? Every son. There's nobody in this room, born again Christian, is going to get away from God's whooping. Scourging is a strong term. It's what Christ was, it's what the Romans did to Christ. And, and you and I are not going to get away from being disciplined by God because the human part of us, the flesh part of us, we're not walking in the spirit. We, we walk in the flesh. We fulfill the lusts of the flesh and God's got to bump us. Ooh, got to bump us. It says if in, in uh, Hebrews 12, 7, if you endure chastening, and you don't get bitter. Because see, in the process of the chastening, some people get bitter at God because they're not happy. Hey, I remember when my dad would, would spank me, sometimes I'd want to be mad at him about it. And then I'd realize that, well, he really doing this because he loves me, right? I mean, that right? Your dad loves you. That's why he whips you. I know it don't make sense, especially when you're there getting a the whipping. But let me tell you, if you're raising kids and you're not spanking them, you hate your children based on the authority of the Bible. Oh, I don't believe in, in corporal punishment. Then you don't believe in the kind of discipline God said for us to do. And then you're making yourself smarter than God. Really, you're making yourself smarter than God. Let me tell you, when I had a child, I went to the Bible and looked all the verses up on discipline and children and stuff and just said, okay, Kathy. My, I came home a couple times in school and I would, Trove would do something. i say, stop that. And he'd just, boom, he'd just turn around and stop it. And she'd say, now, I don't, he don't do that when I speak. I said, I can cure that. He said, well, why does he listen to you and not to me? I said, because he knows that I represent pain more than he, you don't represent pain to him. You represent mercy. I represent pain and mercy, truth and mercy. 
And so she says, well, I want to be like you. I says, I can teach you how to do it. When you say something, follow up on it. I'm, you know, they tell you train a dog. I mean, when you train a dog, the first time, you don't want him to come the first time or the third time you call him. Here, Rover. Here, Rover. Here, Rover. Makes the owner look like a fool. I've seen parents look the same way. One more time. One more time. One more time. You're going to get set in a corner. No, you're going to. No, I'll tell you, you'll give, you'll give time out. My dad called that knockout. <laughs> so if you have deer chasing, God deal with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? The answer, of course, is there isn't any. But if ye be without chastisement, if you, if you be without chastisement, now listen to what the Bible says, whereof all, A-L-L, all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. And I think the language by the translators in English was chosen very, very carefully. Had to be approved by over 44 people. And that word was chosen because it would shock you. God, they wanted to shock you. They wanted to penetrate the, the, the lethargy we oftentimes will get in. He says, listen, God's going to chastise you because he's sanctifying you. He's growing something in you. He's trying to help you. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. those people in Corinth uh, didn't obey God and they, they got out of order. They were saved people. They, it says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Listen to this. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. The kind of sleep he's talking about there is physical death. So what he's saying is, if you continue to resist the sanctification process, God will cause you to have various chastisements and scourgings, troubles. But if you keep resisting it, ultimately he's going to take you out. Now you listen to me. I've seen people being taken out. I have no doubt in my mind seeing a, a numbers of folks being taken out by God. It proved to me, number one, they really were saved because God took them out. They may not be us. For he says, for if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Judge yourself. It's been said, be hard on yourself so others won't be hard on you. Be hard on yourself. Discipline yourself. Shake yourself. You know? And you won't have to have other people coming up and saying, judging. And, and God won't even have to do it if you'll judge yourself. God will get your attention one way or another in this whole process, but he only wants to help you survive and succeed eternally. His goals for you are high. But, and, and, and if I may say this, his chastening does not ultimately damage you. No, no. Let me read some verses. Job chapter 23, verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. James 1, 2, and 4, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work with patience. But let patience, remember, you're in this process. <clears throat> See, I don't believe like the Calvinists say that you've got almost nothing to do with the process. That's not the Bible. The Bible says you have something to do with this process. You're, you're workers together with God. Uh, you're joint heirs. And so he says here, uh, let patience, you let patience have a perfect work 
that you may be perfect. That means completed and entire, wanting nothing. 1 Peter 1.7 says, The trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth. Again, there's that analogy between what God's doing in you and actual gold. I, I guess God knows how much we value gold. You know, we value gold. I mean, we just, we just do gold this, ooh, lights our fire. And so constantly the Bible's comparing this gold to what God's trying to do in you eternally. But no matter how much gold you may make on this side or pile up, you don't get to keep any of that gold. But at what you do for God and in obedience to God, you get to keep all of that. That's what Jesus meant when he said, don't put your don't put your treasures in a place that the thief can come and steal them and the moth will come and corrupt them. Put them in a place where they can't be touched. Put them in a place that's secure. And brother, you know there's no secure place in this world. Everything's in flux. Everything's changing. Governments change, come and go. Currency comes and goes. Look through the history. Century after century, currency changes and Countries change, and they move around. That process is not stopped. That process is in process. It's going on right now. But I tell you one thing. The foundation of God, the Bible says, standeth sure. I like that. The foundation of God stands sure. The sanctification that God wants to do and use for eternal things. It says here, uh, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold, the perish though it be tried with fire. None of us going to get out of here without some fire. Might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Revelation 2.10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. You know, does this sound a little different than the health and wealth gospel year on TV? I mean, doesn't it sound a little different? Like, it's from, like ones from outer space almost different? Um. Behold, the devil should cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. There it is again, that trial. And you shall have tribulation, that's trouble, for ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Now, I pray that <clears throat> prayer on a regular basis. Lord, help me to be faithful unto death, that I may receive the crown of life. Help me to be faithful unto death. Listen, I don't want to fail when it comes to the big one, when it comes to the test. <clears throat> and he was telling them, hey, heads up, heads up. Be faithful even to the point of dying, even to the point of giving your life or life being taken from you, and you'll receive a crown of life. Jesus in his high priestly prayer, and that's our text, by the way, in John 17, 17, reveals the foundation of all of what I've just mentioned up to this moment. You know what it is? Truth. Truth. Think about it. Sanctify them through thy truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. How do you get sanctified? Truth. It's too simple. It's too simple. I looked at that and I go, I've never preached on this passage. Sanctify them through thy truth. God uses truth. The Christian life is a life of transformation from error to truth. What God is doing is he's taking our minds with all this error and he's filtering out the error 
as time goes on, as you read the Bible, as, you, as, as the trial of fire comes and you trust God, you see he's faithful, he's filtering out all this error. And he's filling you with truth. So at age, if you live for God since you've been young and you're, you're 75, 80 years old, you should have a whole, your foundation should be solid. Why? Because it's built on truth. Built on truth. Why do you, you have to read the Bible? The book is truth. Thy word is truth. So I like what Jesus tells Paul. Acts chapter 26, he says, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God. He said, that's, that's your goal. I said, sanctification. People get saved, and then God says, I'm going I'm to start giving you some truth. As you seek me, that's what the accelerating process is. If you will seek the word of God, and you will put your head down, and you will say, I'm going to know this book. I am going to know this book. Years ago, I was a young, I was probably maybe 20, 21, and this old preacher got in the pulpit. Man, he started preaching the Bible, and the Holy Spirit just came to me as he was preaching, and he just kept saying, Bill, you can know that book like that guy knows the book. You can know the truth of the Word of God out of all the stuff out there that you can learn. You can know this Word like that man knows the Word. And I said, Lord, I want to know the Word like that. And I, I began to set my focus uh, on the word. You can be a businessman and make that decision. In fact, every businessman should make that decision to know the Bible more than you know anything else because it's what's eternal. This new birth to physical death, God wants to convert you to complete truth. The process of testing, enlightenment, more testing, enlightenment, more testing, and more enlightenment. Some of the enlightenment can come simply from reading the Word, some from memorizing the Word, some from obeying the Word, some from seeking His face, some from the trials that He puts you through, and you see He's taking care of you. I cannot emphasize enough the entrance of His Word giveth light. Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words give light. Psalm 119, 131, open my mouth. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. You ever think about that? Panted. One too many pow mouth. But uh, I'm telling you, I panted. Are you panting for God? Some people come to me and say, you know, God don't seem to be doing anything in my life. Well, guess what? You're not, you don't want much, you don't want him, you don't want him to do much in your life. You say, what do you mean? Well, are you reading your Bible? Well, no, I don't, I, well, I mean, that's something I can do. Do what you can do, and then God will do what he can do. Make sense to you? Do all that you can do. Be all you can be. Do all you can do. And then God will come and do what you can't do. Amen. God will give you what you can't receive on your own. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. One of my favorite things to do is to take honeycomb and cut it out. And to put that thing in my mouth. I mean, all that nasty stuff in there, whatever. And I just don't look. Don't look. If you still look too close at honey, you won't eat it. But, I mean, you know, the bugs and stuff. But you take that honeycomb and you, you cut that thing out. And you put that thing in your mouth. And, be and between your upper palate and your tongue, you squeeze. And it squirts out into your mouth. And it's sweet. 
And that first shot is your best shot. And I mean, it's like nothing else. And I mean, that should be the way the Word of God is when you get into it. The Word of God will come and it'll be sweeter than the, it's sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. Jeremiah 15, 16. I found thy words, and I ate them. The truth will sanctify you. I don't believe there's any shortcuts. I don't believe there's any quick fixes. I don't believe there's any shazam on sanctification. The process is slow or fast, yes, as God will permit and as you will cooperate. College days, you can go there and you can inundate yourself in the study of the Word of God. And I think if you go to Ambassador Bible College, they give you 63, four hours of Bible. It's the only college I know of gives that many hours. Out of 120 hours for a bachelor's degree. They give like 60-some-odd hours of Bible. So only college. Most colleges only give 30-some hours of Bible, maybe 40. But, but uh, Ron Comfort wanted more than that. He wanted to do more than that. So he gave them 60-some hours of Bible. Brother Tyler's up there. Brother Tyler's getting inundated in the Word of God. And the only hope Tyler's got is the purifying, sanctifying of the Bible and the Word of God. And sometimes when Tyler talks to me, I want to say, did you dial the right number? Who is this? The truth will change everything. It'll change your values. It'll change your goals. It'll change your method of living. It'll change your desires. It'll change your friends. It'll change your activities. It'll change your financial investments. Do you know there's investments that I absolutely will not put my money in? I don't have any money, but the 20, 30 bucks, I will not put it in. Because it supports abortion or supports something around abortion, I'm not going to support them, folks. One way or another, I'm not supporting them, folks. I'll keep my money in the bank at one one hundredth of a percent. Actually, pretty soon, you're going to pay the bank to keep your money. Your whole world will change. Truth will be the only knowledge left. After this thing's all over, all error will be gone, all lies will be gone, all misinformation will be gone, and all fake news will be gone. Glory to God. Only truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth will be left when all the dust settles. So the question tonight is what will it be for you? You say, Brother Bill, I've been struggling. Well, a question I'd ask you is, are you cooperating with God's process of sanctification? Or are you resisting it? Well, I've had, every, I've had trials. Well, are you thanking God for those trials? I got physical problems. Are you thanking God for your physical problems? Let me say, I've had some physical problems, man. Of course, everybody's had physical problems. They're always bigger than everybody else's. The reason for that is you never suffered anybody else's, so you don't really know what they are. But you've suffered yours, right? Like, I'm, you know, I've had gout, and, and I've had migraines 25 years, and, and, I'm, and I'm pretty much, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but God's relieved me from a lot of that because some of that time, I finally, the Holy Spirit kept whispering to me on that, and I finally said, okay, rather than resist this, I'm going to start thanking God for it. 
That'll throw the devil off. So I started praying and thanking God and blessing God for it. You know, I think Bill Gather said something about that. And I liked what he said. It was, it was a mature statement. He said, when something bad is, just start thanking God for it. And the devil, if the devil's doing it, he'll say, well, man, quit doing that. The more we, the more we torment him, the more he thanks God for it. Let's, let's take it away. And I've been relieved. I've been relieved. Now, tomorrow I may fall back in a hole and go over to Dr. Crabb. But in the meantime, up to this moment, <laughs> you never get cocky. You know, none of us are getting out of this thing alive. You know that, right? Ain't none of us getting out of this thing alive. And so, oh, you say the rapture. Well, I'm for it, brother. You, you talk to rapture, I'm for it. But are you cooperating? Are you born from above? Cooperate with the sanctification process. Put your highest priority in knowing the Bible. And in knowing the Bible, you'll get to know God. And in getting to know God, truth will overcome error. And you'll become more like Christ. Why? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Father, help us. Forgive us where we have struggled against you, where we've battled around it. And may Lord Jesus, we... Whew, may we be sanctified. And in sanctif being sanctified, may we glorify your name. There could be folks in this room who've been struggling in their Christian experience. Maybe they're in the fire right at this moment. It's hard. It's hard in the fire. Maybe they're in the trial right now, the trial of your faith. It's hard in the trial. But in that trial and in the fire, lift your head up and say, God, you're good no matter what. Look to God and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all these benefits. Say that. Say it to him. Memorize some of the Psalms. Quote them. Pray them. Cry through them. And God will come. Father, help us tonight. Sancti continue the sanctification process. I'll be thrilled that day that we receive the full adoption of sons, which is finally the redemption of our bodies, where we have a body like unto thee. The old nature is gone, and then we can serve you. The servants shall serve him for all eternity. Praise, look forward to that. Help us be faithful unto death. Someday we will receive, by the grace of God, the crown of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.